I've uh, I've got a computer working that I can record on again. So I decided I was going to try to give uh, my loyal followers and fans an extra podcast episode this week for waiting so long for my podcast return. Uh, I keep watching videos of people of of Disney people. This episode might be. I never know what direction an episode's going to go. It never ends up where I think it's going to end up. Uh, but right now, I'm feeling like this episode might be a Disney people rant. So, if you don't like that, uh, skip around and see if I talk about anything else. Right? I keep seeing videos of people sobbing. I mean, just weeping as if they've looked into the beautiful face of the Virgin Mary as she descends from the sky to take them home. Weeping. Weeping as if they were in a Peruvian jungle on ayahuasca, making peace with Mother Earth herself. Watching Phantasmic return at Disney World. And I, this is not an indictment of these people. My God, do I envy them. I could not envy anyone more than I can envy the person who has the ability to cry at, a, at anything Disney produces. It's reveling. It's beautiful. People make fun of these Disney adults, but they are the definition of, uh, what is it, drop in, drop out, tune off, and relax. <laughs> I think I said that completely right, but those people have, they, they are leaning back into the river of life, and they're letting it float and take them wherever it takes them. They're not trying to swim upstream. They're not trying to fight the current. They're not trying to make a river go in a direction it will not go in. They're just floating along and crying at Fantasmic. It's kind of beautiful. I envy you. I can't feel like that. What's weird, what's weird is that I remember a time where I used to pretend to feel like... The Tumblr times is really when all this was, when we would all pretend, oh, I'm sobbing. Oh, this made me cry. All of social media was millennials, including myself, trying to, like, prove that we weren't narcissists. <laughs> trying to prove that we felt real human feelings and felt connected by trying to be like, see, guys, look at this sad piece of media. I promise I'm crying at it. I don't think I was ever really crying when I used to post that I was crying about something. I don't think anybody else is either. And I think most of these people that are seeing, uh, that see Disney stuff like this and claim to have cried, and I, I do say claimed, might fall into this category, right? My generation is full of, like, I'm, a, I'm 31, like, we'll say 26 to 42 like that whole chunk the mo I could I guess I could have just said the millennials I could have just made that easier for myself it's still early in the morning for me which is sad because it's 11:30 a.m 
my generation is full of narcissists it feels like all of us have a huge 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 trouble it it seems actually connecting and actually feeling part of something and actually understanding that humanity is a giant commune and that we all might just be uh, the same energy force experiencing life in different ways. So maybe we actually should treat everyone around us as if they are ourselves because maybe they are. Like, I feel like all, all the millennials grasp all this stuff intellectually but, like, we just can't exactly feel it in our hearts. You know what I mean? We can't – we know that it's probably true, but we we have become so apathetic towards everything around us that we just don't care to act on it. You know, we'd rather just doom scroll, uh, go through all of our tender likes in less than five minutes, <laughs> masturbate stare at the popcorn ceiling above us, wonder why we didn't become what we should have, fall asleep, wake up in the middle of the night sweating, even though it's 65 degrees in the room that you're in. Splash some water in your face, pee, try to go back to bed, lay and think I could have been so great if, and then lift all the ifs, then go back to bed, Dot the hell Mobius strip, continue for another day, week, month, year, five years, decades, death. Death. <laughs> oh, this podcast has really just become things I can't say on TikTok because TikTok will ban me. By the way, you know, I never want to accuse anybody, especially when I didn't technically name a name in the original video, but I made a video about uh, a certain person, a certain well-known Broadway photographer in their 20s, maybe out of their 20s now, and they're in their upper 20s if they're still in their 20s, um, and this certain Broadway photographer had a really awful reputation at NYU, and then this certain Broadway photographer cemented their awful reputation by dating the underage star of a Broadway musical, the underage high school star of a Broadway musical. Anyway, I made a video about this fuckface uh, because I have spies everywhere. I had a spy at Almost Famous the Musical who caught him. Uh, one of one of the female leads in Almost Famous took their shoes off on the red carpet, and he was trying to sneaky take pictures of her souls, according to people who saw him. Uh, and I made a video about that because I am Broadway's resident uh, toe sucker over here uh, about how much these people enrage me because not only do they give us uh, ethically consuming foot fetishes foot, foot, foot fetishers foot fetishers a bad name but also it's just another case of a man in power using that power to get sexual gratification from non-consenting people 
Well, every time I make a video about this person, it gets reported to TikTok, which is really, really, really weird, isn't it? I wonder who on earth could be reporting these videos to TikTok. I don't know. Who do you think it could be? Who do you think it is, boys and girls? Anyway, uh, the video got reported. I just wanted to quickly say, uh, bro, every time you report my videos, and it, I peel it, obviously, and it comes back, when it comes back, the TikTok algorithm pumps it out to more people, and it always comes back. I always get the video back. Stop it. You're just counterproductively acting against yourself, and basically... You, you, I, you are why I don't have to pay to promote my videos. <laughs> so thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy boy. Please stop being a motherfucking creep. And could the Broadway community please stop facilitating this person being a motherfucking creep? Anyway, what I was saying is that this podcast has become things that I just can't say on TikTok because they will just ban my account if I do. You know what the worst genre of video is? Hell awaits these people. I hope an early death in hell awaits these people. It, it's people, it's the genre of video that was popular to a certain extent, like maybe in 2014, 15, but now is back and it's worse than ever of shitty fuck faces going into like Walmart, Target, or a public place, and maybe they have a speaker that's saying rude things, or maybe they're just being generally obnoxious fuckheads, uh, and then are being more generally obnoxious fuckheads when the employees ask them to leave. I look at the comments of all these videos, and I know you've seen them. I know you know what I'm talking about. I look at the comments, and it's other people being like, bro, they're taking their job too seriously. They, they're mad because of a prank? No. They're mad because you're a total piece of shit. And they already have shitty fucking jobs that they already probably fucking hate. They're already probably not the people who they thought they were going to turn out to be. And they have to come to their shitty fucking job and deal with ugly fucking fuck faces like you. I sincerely hope one of these people becomes a lesson for the community. Sincerely. And I hope they find the employee because it will happen who has just had enough, was already thinking of quitting, and has enough money to save to bond or bail themselves out, and they just get the ever-loving fuck beat out of them by this employee. I'm talking they have to get facial reconstructive surgery like that woman who got attacked by the Hollywood actor chimpanzee level of beating the fuck up by the employee. I'm praying I get to see that footage. Maybe it makes me a bad person to wish this, but I wish it with every fiber of my being. I hope Every single one of them gets their face torn off by the by an employee with the strength of a Hollywood actor chimpanzee. Do not look up the pictures to the event that I'm talking about involving the chimpanzee. You will not like that you did. Circling back to Almost Famous, wow, that turned out exactly like I predicted in my last podcast, huh? Woof, those reviews. I felt like I wrote most of them myself. And I really can't stress how much I felt like 
a dick making those comments about Almost Famous on multiple platforms because a guy who I used to do community theater with in Florence, South Carolina is in Almost Famous and he's gotten to go on as the lead and that's incredibly exciting and I'm incredibly excited for him and like overjoyed and happy for him. If you ever end up listening to this, I hope you did not personally take offense my comments about Almost Famous I, it, it's my job, it's my duty, it's my brand. My friend, I want you to move on to a Broadway show of your talent. I hope I get to see you play Orpheus in Town. I hope I get to see you join a big flashy Sondheim revival. I hope I get to see you understudy Antony in the Sweeney Todd revival. And I'm so happy you've gotten to go on. As the lead in a Broadway show. But. 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 I have one purpose on this godforsaken earth. I am a godforsaken them, which is me trying to say they, them, and man at the same time. That would be then, not them. Anyway. Disregard. I'm a non-binary person. Floating through space. I've found out we live in a godless void where there's no hope, our love, our chance. And my only solace, my only purpose, my only thing is that I was put here to talk shit about Broadway shows like Almost Famous the Musical. It's why I was put on this God-forsaken rock floating in this God-forsaken void. If you take that from me, I do not exist anymore. Even before this platform, you know what I was doing? I was screaming at walls and at friends who do not care about theater, about how much I hated shows, like Almost Famous, the musical. It is the only thing I have. It is my identity. I had to. You cannot fault a fish for needing water to survive. In a lot of ways, I need shows like Almost Famous to live. I complain about Almost Famous and Devil Wears Prada and Pretty Little Women coming to Broadway but we have a reciprocal relationship. The Joker can't exist without Batman. Andy Kaufman can't exist without Tony... Tony Clifton, rather, can't exist without Andy Kaufman. Ernie can't exist without Bert. I need these shows to come to Broadway as much as I hate them being on Broadway. Because who I am directly involves hating these musicals. And I'm sure those of you not as mentally gone as Jonathan the Sweaty Oracle over here are going, wow, that doesn't sound mentally healthy. It's probably not, but I'm just telling you the way that it is. If only incredible original material and Sondheim revivals opened on Broadway... 
I would poof into a little ball of smoke, I wouldn't exist anymore. I need an Almost Famous or a Devil Wears Prada jumping into the Broadway season and taking up a house with its banal mediocrity. As much as I need food and oxygen. I saw that uh, Kermit the Frog was at Lincoln Center doing what the Muppets do exclusively now, singing Rainbow Connection. And I think that's why I think the Muppets uh, need to be retired as a huge Muppet-obsessed autistic fuckhead. Uh, it, it, it's time... It's time to say goodbye to Comet and Piggy and Gonzo. It's time. It's time. They're shells of themselves. They're like... It's, 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 it's like Journey. It's like the band Journey going on tour, even though their lead singer is dead. Not dead. Is he dead? No, he just doesn't do it anymore. It's like Journey going on tour without their lead singer. It's it's not really Journey. It's not really Journey. It's not really Journey anymore. The Muppets are not the Muppets anymore. It's like a Muppet cover band. It's like Queen with Adam Lambert. It's just not it anymore. What made the Muppets the Muppets were the performers. All those people are dead, fired, are gone. It's time to retire the Muppets. It's time to stop using the Muppets as like a thing that you bring out of a hat to make millennials and boomers cry by singing Rainbow Connection. Because that's all the Muppets do now. They pull them out of a trunk, have them sing Rainbow Connection on Dancing with the Stars or at Lincoln Center. Then they, th then they throw them back in the trunk. Back into the trunk, Muppets. What the fuck is Rainbow Connection even about? Have you guys ever really listened to those lyrics? What is the Rainbow Connection? Who are the lovers, the dreamers, and me? Have you been half asleep and have you heard voices? They, you <laughs> what is that? What is that all about? The most beautiful nonsense in the world. A lot of 70s music, a lot of music from that time period is just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful nonsense. Because of all the cocaine, probably. <laughs> Have you ever examined, uh, like, some of, like, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? Tiny Dance. Most of these songs are just nonsense. Most of the early 70s Elton John collection is just a collection of, 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 of thoughts strewn together. David Bowie's music is admittedly like that because he would write together multiple full paragraphs, cut up all the sentences into little strips, and rearrange them to make song lyrics. The 70s was beautiful, cocaine-filled, nonsense and that's what rainbow connection is and that even steeps into the musical have you ever thought about some of the lyrics of jesus christ superstar a musical from the early 70s where judas looks at jesus and screams in a moment of passion you're a jaded mandarin a jaded mandarin just a faded jaded faded jaded jaded Mandarin. 
excuse me, sir, what? Jesus' next lie should be, what are you saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? That makes no sense. That 70s cocaine-fueled nonsense. And it's almost like when we consume media from the 70s, our brain automatically gives it a pass. Like, we don't even think about the fact that it does not make any fucking sense. Because intrinsically, somewhere, there's a neuron far, uh, shooting in the back of our brain. And that neuron is letting us know, hey, it's okay. It's the 70s. This was fueled by a lot of cocaine. I'm all over the place this episode. You know what the funniest thing to me about uh, Disney adults is? They will get excited for, like, the most boring Disney Parks announcements. When statistically, most of the things that get announced never end up even getting built. Disney just announces them and goes, oh, you like that? You like that? You like that? And then never speaks about it again. It's incredible. It's incredible how anyone can watch a Disney Parks announcement and feel excited about it. Because you know, you have to know, it's probably not going to happen. And if it does, it'll take the time that it takes Universal to build an entire new theme park to build it. It will have taken Universal about the time it took Disney to build a cloned roller coaster in Magic Kingdom. It will take about that same amount of time for Universal to build an entire state-of-the-art new theme park. It's incredible to me how Disney still has their hands around some of your necks. I want to feel that feeling that you guys feel, that optimism, that happiness, that, 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 that void of cynicism that I can't even imagine. I want what you people have. How can I get it? I want to consume again happily. I want to do what Papa Nicky tells me to with a smile on my face and be happy and look forward to my one Disney vacation a year that I save up money for. And I stay at the all-star resorts and it sucks and it sucks and it sucks, but I have to stay on property because if I don't, there's a perceived judgment from no one but myself. I want what you have. Give it to me. Help me. Teach me. I'm begging. Disney this year at their big corporate thing didn't even go as far as to announce anything. Showed you guys a bunch of concept art that they were like, none of this is going to happen. This is just some ideas. And you people went feral. They have now realized they don't even have to announce it and then make it disappear. 
to make you guys go crazy. They can tell you guys that they're showing you something that they're not going to build and you will still praise them and go bananas. I want what you people have. Your, your blissful ignorance, your, 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 your love of cognitive dissonance. Papa wants it. Daddy needs it. <laughs> oh, it's it's a marvel. It's an utter marvel. I kind of feel that way about everything. I guess I feel that way about Broadway. For anybody. Everybody knows that who has listened to me for more than 40 seconds. I envy the person who uh, just has Papa's trust fund and doesn't really think about it and goes and sees whatever show opens on Broadway and loves it because it is Broadway. Maybe the reason I have to be so critical of theater is because I have to be very careful what I spend money on and I've always had to be really careful what I spend money on. So I feel angered when I've been made or tricked into spending money on corporate cynical horseshit theater you know what I mean I think that's fair right I even feel angry when I go and see a regional or community theater production that has just copied down to the choreography usually something that they have seen uh, on a bootleg on YouTube of the Broadway production that they're doing I even feel robbed then because I'm just like, I paid money for your creativity. The reason I love theater is creativity. Uh, just, just there's there. If you, if you are the right type of mind, you theater creators can have unbounded creativity the way that you can't in most other art forms, in my opinion. And we have forgotten that, or rather, uh, we are desiccating on that desecrating that's the way you pronounce that you were desecrating on that as a culture and it makes me mad when i spend money to see the desecration of my art form you know what i mean my art form of choice rather it's not my art form if it was my art form it would not look like this that's why it makes me mad because i don't have maybe if i would have maybe if i had uh, the money to to just see everything so I, I, I wouldn't have to be as critical. But because I can't see anything, when I see something, I, I, I want it to reflect either A, the price point that it was sold at, are, are, and I don't mean I need a chandelier to fall or I need a big special effect. I, I mean that about the material. It can be a blank stage and music stands, and I'll pay $200 if the material really has to be seen. You know what I mean? And the performances. And the directorial intent. Directorial intent might be the biggest one for me. Intent in general is probably the biggest thing for me. I, I, the intention of why something was made. And was something made with intention or was something made be just because and that goes down to the smallest details on a set or a costume 
to the giant overarch of an entire production. What was the intent behind this? Was the intent that a group of artists decided they had to tell this story, they had to get it out of them, because it it felt as though a jolt from the ether entered them, filling them with ideas that had to be carried out for the show? Or was it because somebody said, I want to do that. I want to do what they did on Broadway. Or we should do that movie as a musical because it'll make money. What is the intent behind the artwork? That is 100% the only thing that matters. And the intent behind a lot of theater produced in this country in the last like 20, 30 years has been really, really cynical and awful and getting progressively more cynical and more awful. Especially for those who have to be very choosy with our money about how we enjoy theater. And it's not like intent can't be salvaged. I'm sure the intent for there to be a SpongeBob musical was not incredible. Whatever executive thought of that, that probably wasn't the best intention. But they hired a creative team who filled it with intention. I mean, Tina Landau, if you listen to the way she talks about directing that show, or if you got to see that production on Broadway, you know that SpongeBob was the most intended creatively show. That probably was not the best way to say it. Ever. Even even if the material was not great at places. The directorial and creative team intent was so incredibly mighty that it permeated through everything and grabbed you as an audience member and enthralled you. Intent can be created in a lot of different ways, but if intent is not there, it disgusts me. It revolts me. It infuriates me. It enrages me. It makes me want to leave before intermission. And I'm finding less and less intense on Broadway. Again, I'm finding regional and, and, and commercial theaters are picking up on this culture of no intentions. And just trying to cheaply photocopy the Broadway production as best as possible. Because it's Broadway, it's probably best. Thus killing any local creativity. Because that's what that does. That's all that does. It just kills creativity, in my opinion. Thus creating a cycle of uncreative people who want to toe the line, who come up through community and regional theaters back to Broadway. It's like the water cycle of bad intentions. It's the water cycle of bad artistic intentions. And it's not almost these people's fault. It's just people who have not... It, 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 Because it's maybe smart to be a person of no intentions. No offense, but if you're a Tom Kit, it appears you can continue working forever. <laughs> or, <laughs> that was mean. Mean. Mean, 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 mean. It's much easier to have a musical 
on stage every season, though, if you're Tom Kitt, rather than if you're Daniel Fish, who is doing everything with the utmost intention. You guys, I if his most happy fella comes to Broadway, it's going to blow your fucking faces off. It's going to melt your minds. It is so beautifully, creatively intended, particularly for where we are right now as not only a society, but Broadway. Most Happy Fella is doing everything with female and non-binary uh, performers that 1776 thought they were doing without actually doing the intended work. Daniel Fish keeps doing the intended work, man, and it is much harder to get his very intended most happy fella on Broadway than it is to get Tom Kidd's almost famous. It's it's the water cycle. And people just want to work. People just want to make it, air quotes, on Broadway. And the easiest way to make it is to join that water cycle. And that just uh, makes me sad. Because it is the antithesis of actual theater arts to me. You know what I mean? Broadway, uh, Broadway, Disney Parks rides have become that way in the United States. The intention is Disney executives know that it doesn't matter if they do something state-of-the-art, groundbreaking, or truly out-of-the-way spectacular because their fans will lap it up even if it's something cheap and serviceable which is by the way how you got that production of Frozen on Broadway because Alex Timbers was going to do this three Alex Timbers was originally going to direct Frozen he did multiple workshops he was going to do this 360 balls to the walls very expensive but very revolutionary production of Frozen and Disney's prerogative was like, why should we do an expensive production of Frozen? Because uh, Broadway audiences are stupid and our fans are stupid. And they will come and see Frozen, even if it's a cheap paint-by-the-numbers version. So why should we <laughs> pay to have it lavish? How did that work out for you, dumb fucks? <laughs> How'd that work out for you, Tommy Schumacher? <laughs> Uh, Disney Parks rides, right? Back back to it. The intention is they know they don't have to build something like Tower of Terror, Haunted Mansion, or Pirates of the Caribbean because their fans will go crazy for that Spider-Man ride they put in, 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 in uh, Disney's California Adventures. They don't have to try. They don't have to spend money. And somehow they're still wasting a fuck ton of money. That Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster cost half a billion dollars and doesn't even have any animatronics or show scenes. Incredible. Impeccable. You know, there's this theory that kind of ties into this. It's an economic theory that I'm probably going to butcher because I am... That was me banging my forehead with the microphone. I'm stupid. El stupido. I'm stupid. Stupid. Idiot boy. B-O-I. That's the non-gender boy. So, there's this theory of a blue ocean, red ocean. 
which is an economic theory, which is that when you're in red ocean, you have to be very, very, very competitive. Uh, wait, am I? Fuck, fuck. I'm going to have to pause and look this up. I'm probably going to say it completely backwards because I'm dumb. I don't want to look anything up for this. <sighs> Shit. Okay, I'm back, and I would have said it completely wrong. So basically think of it this way. Uh, in the golden age, in like the 50s, both Broadway and in the Disney parks and in the Disney company, they are in a blue ocean, right? They are trying uh, to create the, the like basically the best products they can to find an untapped market, right? They're trying to get the market trying to get the product on the market before competitors appear. So they're trying to create the best product possible to do that while also creating new demand. Uh, that spurs creativity. That spurs invention. That spurs invention. That spurs imagination. It requires that. But unfortunately, right now, things like Disney and Broadway are in uh, Red Ocean, which uh, it's typically like seen as corporate because it's looking to create the lowest cost product, the, excuse me, the highest yield product for the lowest cost possible. They already have their core audiences. They know what their core audiences will spend. They know that their core audiences are dedicated to them. They don't have to use money on intervention and creativity and imagination anymore. They just have to get the product out at the lowest cost to them with the highest return. You know what I mean? And it is being in Red Ocean. I hope I described that in a way you can understand. Again, I'm dumb as bricks. Being in Red Ocean has killed creativity in this country. I mean, just utterly obliterated because everything now is about cost meters it's not about creating things that the public will go nuts over it's about making sure that it comes in under the bottom line because the audiences will enjoy it and come if the innovation is there or not or so they think i strongly 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 at least on broadway it will pop in the Disney parks. The bubble will pop in the Disney parks. It's just somehow not there yet. I read that it cost uh, like $1,000 a day just – excuse me, $1,500 a day for a family of four to go to Disneyland, and that's not even including food. Uh, so yikes. Your bubble's coming, Disney. Uh, but Broadway, the bubble has already popped. They have not – they being the megalords of Broadway have not realized – they think they're in red ocean still. But baby, Broadway is drifting back into the blue, at least with audiences because producers and these giant corporate entities who have taken such great interest in Broadway – uh, are, are just trying to put products out at the lowest cost point possible. They're just trying to do what they think the audiences will like rather than trying to create new interventions that will draw audiences to them. That's how we get to Almost Famous the Musical. That's how we get to Devil Wears Prada the Musical, Red Ocean. But all of these shows are fucking flopping. They're failing. 
They're dying on Broadway. Almost Famous' numbers, Almost Famous is not going to last until January. They're going to close in less than probably 100 performances. Same thing happened to Pretty Woman. The same thing will happen to Devil Wears Prada should they be stupid enough to bring it to Broadway. They have not realized that audience members don't want it anymore, particularly for that price point. We are back in Red Ocean, which is why the shows that create in a Red Ocean environment, like, I hate to say Hamilton, but Hamilton, Town, these shows are, 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 are succeeding wildly. Even things like Book of Mormon has lasted many years because it was created in a red ocean frame, I mean a blue ocean frame of mind. It's very confusing keeping these colors differentiated as a colorblind person. The blue ocean shows keep succeeding on Broadway and the red ocean shows keep failing, but we keep getting flooded with red ocean shows. The bubbles popped on Broadway's Red Ocean. They just haven't realized it yet. Because the Red Ocean Broadway is putting out shit at the lowest price point possible to the production. So the lowest intervention possible. And then setting the highest price point possible for consumers to consume it and thinking consumers will be dumb enough to continue to fall for that. Disney consumers are still dumb enough to fall for that. Broadway, luckily, it looks like is not. So I can't wait to continue to see the dismantling of that ugly fucking red ocean that Broadway has been swimming in for so long. I think I started this talking about Disney attractions, didn't I? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. The Red Ocean attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion and Tower of Terror are absolutely incredible. And they were made with a spirit of invention and the Blue Ocean stuff. Like basically everything they have done since then is garbage and bullshit. There. We're all cut up. We, we, we tied it back around, right? I was thinking about like my dream revivals that I'd love to see on Broadway that will never happen. Uh, one of my big ones is, oh my God, what I would give for someone to give Tina Landau like $17 million and then tell her to do hair however the fuck she wants. Oh my God. Oh. They, them can dream, can't they? <laughs> But the biggest thing I want that won't happen is I want David Lynch to direct Nine on Broadway. And I know that sounds absolutely batshit because it is. It is possibly a very bad thing to say. No, reverse. It would possibly be a very, very, very bad production. But do you guys know he had a show at the BAM uh, he did a show called like Industrial Symphony Number Something at the BAM, uh, and it was crazy. It had live people cutting wood. It had Julie Cruz flying through the air in a glitter rain singing. It was absolutely magical. 
Sometimes kind of kind of he he needed a little dramaturgy work, but absolutely magical. And one of his favorite uh, movies is Eight and a Half, of course, of course. Let him do Nine. Let's put the weirdest production of Nine on Broadway ever. Come on, give it to me. I'm aware. It'll never happen. You know what else I'm aware that will never happen? But I think, I don't know if she could actually sing it. But assuming that she could, I've had this theory since high school that Nicki Minaj would be incredible as the witch and into the woods. I don't know why. I don't know what makes me think that. I can just see it perfectly in my head. I can hear her line reads in my head. And uh, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. But I'm also aware that's a thing that's never going to happen. Isn't it sad that we have to live in this reality and we can't create little realities in our heads? And those little realities in our heads is where we live full time. And in those little realities in our heads, we can conjure up things happening like David Lynch directing Nine on Broadway. Or Nicki Minaj doing an international tour of Into the Woods as the witch. Can't we dream... Can't we dream? I wish we could dream. Susicle has been in my head since Aaron Carter passed. Uh, <laughs> I'm not laughing that Aaron Carter died. I'm laughing uh, because that connection in my head is funny. I played the cat in the hat when I was 18 or 19. Uh, and had a relatively good time despite problems cropping up later with that production team. And uh, during the auction scene, uh, so it, it was, I think it was during the, it was, it had to be, it was during the year Obama got elected uh, as president. So I would, when I was auctioning off Horton the Elephant to the audience, I would go, anyone, anyone, anyone. And if the audience didn't respond to me, I would say, that's okay. The White House didn't want an elephant either, which I thought was just crazy progressive at the time. I thought that was just like the most progressive joke you could make in Florence, South Carolina at the time. Uh, and then sometimes if I was feeling fi- if I was feeling feisty, I would go, come on, it's an elephant, but it's smarter than Sarah Palin. Uh, and the audience booed me one night when I did that. And you have no idea the power that flooded into my veins from those boos. That's really like the origin story for all of this was getting booed for the Sarah Palin joke when I was 18 and Susical and feeling how good it felt to rile up an audience and going, oh, well, I'd like to make a little career of that. And look where we are. Still doing it for relatively no money. (laughs) But I guess before I discount living in a reality where I'll never see David Lynch directing a Broadway musical our Nicki Minaj starring in Sondheim. And remember the beautiful words that Aaron sang every night in 2001 when he played Jojo the Who in Susical the Musical on Broadway in a last-ditch effort to save the show from closing. It's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> So that song, I posted a clip of him singing that song on uh, on TikTok because it's the only 
footage I have access to of him in Susical and it, it, for the entirety of the song, he's sitting in the bathtub. And somebody commented, you had to post the song with him in the bathtub to commemorate his death. Because he died in the bathtub. Oh, and I'm not die. I'm not laughing because it's funny that he died. I'm laughing because that connection was completely lost to me until somebody uh point <laughs> until somebody pointed it out to me. I need to get better at my diction on here. I kind of sound like Patty Lapone post Sunset Boulevard. Well, kind of Sunset Boulevard too. There's this part of the ladies paying where I have no idea what she's saying. It's it's yodeling to me. I have a good yodeling story, actually. The first time I went to Disneyland was in oh, I don't remember when it was. I went with a girl uh that I was casually seeing. You know, only good decisions. And uh, we go to Disneyland, uh, and I want to buy, you know, like, I want to go buy legal pot, blah, blah, blah. So they signed me up for a bullshit medical card. Um, and, like, we walk to this dispensary from our hotel in Anaheim, and I just get, like, a pot brownie the size of a VCR tape. Now, I have never had an edible. I have only had, like, South Carolina weed, which is all mid, right? I've never had an edible. And the guy looks at me like very seriously from behind the counter uh, and says, hey, man, eat like a sixth of this. Don't eat the whole thing. You're go- Just please trust me. And for some reason that made me upset. That made me challenge because I have dumb boy brain sometimes. You know what's weird? If a girl would have said that to me, if a woman, I, I would have I listened to her. But for some reason, that guy telling me that, it felt like he was challenging me, which is terrible. I have outgrown that personality trait, thankfully. So, of course, as we're, like, walking down the sidewalk, I consume walking down the sidewalk. I think we walked just, like, straight to Disneyland. I consumed the entire VCR uh, tape-sized pot brownie. And uh, I thought it, I thought an edible would be like weed. I thought the second it, it got down my gullet, I was going to be high, like a hit of weed. I didn't understand it took a minute. So, you know, I especially kept eating when I didn't feel high. And I had paid like $60 for it, uh, a lot of money. And I was mad. And, I, and, you know, we're getting to the turnstiles at Disneyland, and I just finished it. And I turned to her, and I go, this is bullshit. This is complete and utter bullshit. That man sold me a, a brownie that didn't have anything in it, and he knew he was selling me a brownie with nothing in it. And he took my money because he knew I was stupid. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm doing this whole rant continuing as we walk down Main Street. I'm doing it as we get in line for the Matterhorn. I'm continuing as we wait in, like, the 30-minute wait for the Matterhorn. And then we sit down in the Matterhorn, and I notice the music, which is... It's just aggressive yodeling. And that's when I understood what an edible was, and how different it was than marijuana. Click, down goes the lap bar. Up goes the trip. 
And that's really the last thing I remember from that day. <laughs> Aggressive yodeling is the last thing I remember about my first day at Disneyland. During the beautiful Disneyland 60th celebration. And then I repeated that by going to Disneyland a second time with, uh, I got a little bit of, my dad died, uh, I didn't really know him, and he, I got some inheritance, so I took my two best friends at the time, paid for it, uh, to California to go to Disneyland with them uh, in 2019, right before the world blew up, and then I consumed 1,000 milligrams of weed before going to Disneyland, and then to impress a girl that I, uh, that I wanted to smooch, that I had also invited to come with us. Uh, it did not impress her. In fact, uh, I probably fumbled the game that I could have had by just being a bumbling idiot all day. Turns out that's what a thousand milligrams does, and I also don't remember that day at Disneyland, so I would really love to have a day at Disneyland soon, uh, that I can actually remember and adjudicate later. <laughs> I'm so fucking sleazy, I'm so fucking hypocritical. Uh, right after a giant rant about how Disney fans are so stupid because they keep coming back to uh, the mediocrity the parks have become. I'm like, I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to Disneyland. Take Jonathan to Disneyland, please. <laughs> I'm so fucking sleazy. Oh, I'm the worst. I think that's enough of an extra podcast for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. It was very scattered. I I don't even remember anything that I've said in this. So that's probably not good. But as always, I'm just going to hit stop, record, uh, export it, and upload it without ever listening to it again. <laughs> I love you guys. If you have rumors, gossip, or tea you want talked about, please send them in to Juicy Theater T, that's theater with an R-E, we're classy, at gmail.com, juicytheaterT at gmail.com. That gmail is also linked, that email, rather, is also linked to PayPal and Cash App. This is all donation-based for the time being, so even like $5 helps if you feel so inclined, because it keeps the show going by keeping me going. I love Screaming my voice hoarse before noon for you guys. I want to kiss all your foreheads in a non-sexual way and tell you that you've been good.